The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to Season 2 of Students of Mind, the podcast where we aim to normalize conversations about mental health. Last season, we connected you with experts in the field of mental health to provide an understanding of topics and illnesses that may not have been easily accessible. This season, we will continue our learning journey together by not only speaking to experts, but also by listening to the voices and stories of real people who are living, surviving, and even thriving while also facing challenges with their mental health in their everyday life. This season, we want to hear your stories to get the full truth of what it's like to manage one's mental health and navigate living with mental illness. My name is Jade, and today we will be exploring the grieving process. Joining us is Katie Delmas, a grieving loved one and advocate for people dealing with loss, grief, and terminal illness. In our discussion, Katie talks about the story of her mother's passing, what grieving has looked like for her and her family, and her company, Beyond the Clouds, that provides support to grieving loved ones. I hope by listening to the show, you're able to learn something new and gain some encouragement through hearing our experts and listening to the journeys of our guests. However, this show is not a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have about your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Students of Mind podcast. Today's guest is Katie Dalmas. Katie is a 25-year-old mentor, youth worker, and grieving loved one based in Australia. Inspired by her own grieving process following the passing of her mother, Katie offers grieving loved ones with an opportunity to reduce regret around not capturing everything you can from your dying loved one before they pass. In order to do this, Katie founded Beyond the Clouds and the Beyond the Clouds podcast, where she speaks with terminally and chronically ill people about their life and their experience since receiving their diagnosis. Today, Katie will go into more detail about what Beyond the Clouds offers and share her personal story of loss and grief. Good morning, Katie. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's nice to 
yeah, be having this conversation with you. So before we get started、um, on the main topic of today, can you tell me and my audience a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yeah, of course.、Um, so I'm Katie, and I'm 25 years old, and I live in Australia.、Um, I am the eldest of five girls, so big family, and I love them immensely.、Uh, the work that I do has been largely motivated by my family and personal experience. So I guess in the line of work that I do and the volunteering that I do, I often refer to myself as. A grieving loved one,、um, as it has really shaped who I am and what I choose to dedicate my time to.、Uh, so I lost my mum when I was 21 years old, and my youngest sisters at the time were only 15.、Um, our experience in not only caring for our mother but in processing her loss really inspired me to become aware of. What services and supports are available to people in a similar situation? Because yeah, you know, my biggest concern during all of that was how are my sisters coping and and what is there for them,、um, and also for my mom because it was, yeah, it's really hard to watch someone deteriorate. So I found out that in Australia, it's like. Really sad, but obvious that there's a big gap in support for people going through this situation.、Um, so I've spent the last three years really doing a deep dive into communities and yeah, where that support is offered. So I've、um, volunteered here in Australia and in the US、um, at bereavement camps, so camps for grieving children, and I've also volunteered in palliative or hospice care.、Um, and now I work at an organisation dedicated to supporting young carers.、Um, and I've also now like launched my passion project, which is where I identified the largest gap, which is a gap in support for terminally or chronically ill and their loved ones. And my service is called Beyond the Clouds. And at this stage, it's a big focus on providing a voice and immortalizing the stories of people who are terminally ill, and with much bigger visions for the future to offer a holistic service to the whole family. You said something that really resonated with me, like immortalizing their voices. That's Very profound. So I can't wait. I have questions about that later. So I'm excited to ask you about that. Well, I'm excited to get into it. It's a really special、um, project. So let's, you know, get to know you a little bit and talk about you before we talk about what you're working on now. So this show is focused around mental health, and I know with loss and with grief, there's a lot of mental health implications. So can you just talk about? You know the loss of your mother. What it was like dealing with having to be, you know, a caretaker leading up to her loss, and then the mental health experience that you had,、uh, like leading up to when she passed away, and then after she passed away. What was your experience? Yeah. So. This was really tricky for not only myself but my entire family to navigate.、Uh, mental health prior to my mom's passing was something that was very taboo in my family and in amongst my friends. It wasn't a common discussion or something you really felt open or comfortable to talk about. And especially like ill mental health wasn't really acknowledged. And if you didn't feel anything other than okay, it was really hard to know how to express that. And how I did was usually just through. Like anger, because I didn't think I had the awareness or capability to experience the full spectrum of emotions. So,、um, which I think was similar for most people in my family. And then when it came to my mum being diagnosed and then deteriorating, like she was 
very heavily in denial. So it wasn't something that she also felt comfortable to talk about. And I fought really hard to get her a counsellor so she could like kind of have those conversations and try to model that for myself and my sisters because I wanted them to learn that it was okay to start speaking about this and that we are going through something really challenging. But I think our mental health really was on the back burner when um, like caring for our mum was quite an intensive thing. I would do the day shift. I'd be there all day and um, managing all the nursing appointments and uh, administering the medications. And my sisters would come home and all they'd want to do was be by her side and supporting her and they'd be so worried that she was going to pass away in the middle of the night that they stayed up all night and then would go to school the next day. So everyone was running on empty in every aspect of the word and the effects of that on mental health is something that we're still recovering from. It's yeah, it's it, we didn't really deal with it until it demanded attention and it would come out in those like outbursts and we didn't have really a very present or emotionally available father. So we really just had to kind of work on it ourselves. And at the time I was only 21 and my younger sisters were 15, which is quite a turbulent time mentally, emotionally anyway. Um, So it was a battle and being the eldest and the caretaker, my mum confided in me a lot and I had to make a lot of hard decisions for our family, which created a rift in the relationship that I had with my sisters. Um, And that was probably what impacted my mental health the most and watching my mum who was our very big vibrant full of life um, the go-to person who was always just there deteriorate to a shell of herself um, I think you almost like lose ability to feel a lot of the emotions because your body has to just shut down to protect itself so that you can simply survive and do what you have to do to help the people around you Um, yeah it was incredibly stressful and isolating and it's not something you know friends at 21 really know how to support somebody else through as well um yeah so it's something we're still recovering on and then once like the mental the mental part of it also flows onto the physical part and you just become overall so unwell um but I think we've all definitely learned a lot from that situation and navigated the grief process a lot differently yeah I mean just like you say 21 and 15 that's a really intense time to have to go through what you went through. Um, And I just wonder what it was like having to not really have any choice to kind of like adjust into the role of caretaker, especially at the age of 21, when that's like a very social age where we're like doing things with our friends and like trying to learn about ourselves. Um, So what was it like kind of having to like stop everything and be a caretaker? I think, yeah, I fought against that a lot because I was really fortunate to have an incredible job that allowed me to work from home and do what I needed to do to be there um, during the day for my family. But with the friendship group that I had, it was a very social group and they were always going out and I felt like I would just be left behind. And what was my mentality was like, if I don't maintain this social group and turn up to everything, even when I'm really struggling, once my mom's gone, who's going to be there? I'm not going to have anyone. So I fought with myself really hard internally to be like, I need to be with my family, but I also feel like I need to go out and maintain those appearances to maintain that friendship group. So it was a battle. And in the end, I was just like, it's not worth it. I need to be fully present with my family. But there was a long period of time where I struggled to find that balance or how to navigate that. And when when she passed and you kind of had to return to 
normal life, even though after that, there, there may not really be anything that's considered normal. But, you know, after she passed, how did you handle the space that was created that used to be filled with having to take care of her? Yeah, it's it was a surreal experience. I think once you're when you're going through grief, the first year is a big blur. You're just putting one foot in front of the other. You don't even know what's happening day to day. Um, and I feel that space like I'm a big so I like working on things. I like to be continuously busy. So I went straight back into work, but also really busied myself in trying to find those resources that would be available for my sisters. Like I wasn't even thinking, what do I need to start processing this? I was like, what is out there to help my sisters navigate what they've just been through and what they're about to go through in like continuing to grieve the loss of our mother. So I really threw myself into that. I also, I'm a big traveler. So I kind of ran away and did like a big Europe trip, which at that time I needed, but it just kind of delayed at the inevitable. Um, but yeah, in filling that space, I just got super busy with work and then also, yeah, looking into the resources, which I'm really glad I did because it got me to where I am now. And I have found like amazing communities to get involved in where there is people going through what we've been through. Yeah. So I, I can like hear you talking about how you were filling your time and like looking for those resources for your sisters um, and other people who may experience that. But when do you think you started like focusing on your, your own grieving process and searching for things for yourself to put into place to help you through that process? I think when I realized there wasn't a whole lot available to my sisters and that I needed to be the best that I could be or working on myself to be able to be fully there for them. So I started reaching out. I was fortunate enough to have someone who I call like, she's like my adoptive mum, and she was a big advocate for me in going and finding a counsellor that I could speak to and making sure I stopped to take care of myself and didn't, you know, go down like destructive behavioural paths Um or just like relying on substances or anything like that. She kept me really, yeah, being like, what are the healthy ways that you can start to deal with this? So she's a bit older, which was great because I could have those open conversations with her. And then once I realized that how good it felt to let go of some of that, just even through speaking to a trusted friend, I could then go and seek out professional help and go speak to counselors and the community groups that I would find. And that modeling that I realized that modeling that for my sisters would be the biggest support for them or motivation for them to start doing that for themselves so I really tried to model that as best as I could for them so they felt comfortable doing that as well yeah I can imagine that was really helpful because I think it can be more helpful to kind of see something as opposed to like just hearing about the resources actually seeing someone kind of put them into place I can imagine that was really helpful for them yeah so the grieving process, it can look different person to person. Um, so I'm just wondering what what does your grieving process look like? Um, I know for me, I feel like my process is delayed. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, I lost two family members in a row a few years ago and I didn't end up grieving until probably like last year and really like letting myself feel sad about the fact that they were gone um so for you what has that process been like yeah I'm really sorry to hear about that loss for you I can relate and that it is 
a really hard thing to experience. Um, but I think it's been an interesting process and I think it is something that is ongoing for the rest of your life. I think your relationship with that person and with grief continually changes um, as you go through different life stages. But my grieving process has completely changed my life in both beautiful and really hard ways. Um, I think having five people grieve the same loved one and having to take a step back and realize that we all do do this very differently and in our own timelines has been really insightful. Um, I mean, there's no way to prepare for grief and there's absolutely no right or wrong way to process it. And I think what I had to realize that there's been for me really distinctly both a psychological but also a biological response to grief. Uh, so in that immediate thing, like your body shuts down every like majority of functions to just simply go into a survival mode and my body is still recovering from that and your brain blocks out emotions and experiences um, and my memories are just yeah so scarce um, from that time period so there's so many different facets of a grieving process um, that my brain and my body is still recovering from um, I work now with a psychologist closely to restore my ab ability to feel emotions appropriately. I either feel negative ones too much at times or go through long periods where I feel no positive emotions at all. And it's really scary. Um, but having that professional support and really supportive people that I've surrounded myself with now, which has also been a part of my grieving process, was taking stock on who was around me and who can I really rely on when you're going through, you know, some of the worst things you're ever going to go through in your life. And I've built a really supportive network around me, which I'm really grateful for. So that's been a part of my process and working with my psychologist is been transformative. And I think it's like really important to be kind to yourself in the grieving process and understand that it can be delayed. It can show up in really weird ways. Like there might not even necessarily be a trigger for having a moment where you break down and cry or having a, oh my God, I missed that person. Or there is, and there can be those really big triggers like the anniversary of a death or birthdays or having your first child or getting married. And for me, it's my mom and that person isn't there. And that's one person that I would love to be there for all of those things. And yeah, navigating that in the grieving process is always really hard. Um, my sisters and I have been quite solid in setting up rituals where we will always come together for those moments where it's the anniversary of um, her death or her birthday in a way to honor her, which is good. But even in the lead up, we both like we all feel you can feel that emotion in the week leading up to it. Like I know for me, I can I feel irritable. I feel sad. I lack motivation and my sisters feel quite similar emotions and and then you look at the calendar and you're like oh mum died on the 25th of February and that's in five days time no wonder I'm feeling so yeah crappy if I'm allowed to say that um and I think being kind to yourself and realizing that and allowing space to feel those emotions otherwise they just get bottled all up inside and you might be back to square one with what you've been working on. So yeah, and I think what's really been my saving grace during this process is successfully rebuilding my relationship with my sisters. Um, and we can all talk about mum and keep her alive and sharing our stories and have that person who has had that loss and go, I feel terrible. I really miss her. It feels really unfair. I'm angry at the world. And being able to say that to somebody who can be like, I know, I understand is incredibly powerful. Um, so that's been a really big saving grace for me during this process and dedicating my life and time to engaging in communities 
that have experienced what what we have or similar to what we've experienced and be able to support others through their experience um, while also healing my own through that is been life-changing. I'm really grateful that I have been able to do that. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really amazing to me that you've made the progress and you've done the things that you've done in such a short period of time. Like I feel like you weren't 21 too long ago. And I think it's really, really impressive the initiative you've been able to take um, around not just like dealing with your own grieving process and your sister's grieving process, but also like assisting in the lives of other people who are going through something similar. So you're so brave and so strong. It's just amazing to be able to like witness the work that you're doing and, and your story. Thank you. That's really, really kind. I feel, I feel like it's a big privilege to be able to do what I do. So I'm really grateful for your kind words. Let's transition to like talking more about the work that you do now. Um, I, I guess my first question is just, I wonder what it's like after, you know, going through being a caretaker for your mom and then having to deal with her loss and then that being an ongoing process. How is it, um, you know, still being on your own grieving process and healing journey and now also working with other people and families who are starting to go through the same thing? It definitely presents its challenges working, putting myself back in that environment because people going through this, there's a lot of heightened emotions. And even though I might not, they might not be people that I necessarily have built these long relationships with or are close to me, it's still people going through a struggle that you can relate to. So it definitely brings up my own inner struggles and emotions. However, my driving thing is that it, I see it as a true privilege to be able to be there with them. That is such a hard thing to go through and you have 101 things going on and having an extra person there can sometimes, yeah, it can be hard for people to want to allow that. But I am truly grateful when I'm allowed into that space and, and yeah, I am a very empathetic person. So I do put myself in their shoes, but my passion truly lies in being there for terminally and chronically ill and their families. So I have put in place a lot of like healthy coping strategies or methods to be able to separate my emotions from that during that interaction. I make sure that I am fully present and available to them and deal with my emotions and triggers later. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I'll be hearing somebody's story or 
with them and I'll break down with them. But I think you need to show that because I, if you're in there with them and just not displaying that, it just doesn't have that human connection. So I think, yeah, try like displaying and leading with that empathy and that genuine desire to just support them in whichever way I can or the ways I know how makes it doable. So with my first podcast guest, she's one of my closest friends. She's one of the most inspiring people that I've ever met, but um, she's been diagnosed with cancer at just 34 years old and has lost her sibling when he was only 20 and like from cancer as well. So going through that and speaking about that with her was really, really hard. But I know that in doing that and providing that service, I've provided her loved ones with something that I wish that my sisters really had. So they have her story. They've got her voice forever. And I, you know, we don't have that. So being able to provide that for others makes it something that I can do with my healthy coping methods and strategies in place. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds beautiful. I think another like a follow-up question I have, I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but I feel like in the US, women tend to have the responsibility to be caretakers or when it comes to deaths in the family, like we're the ones who have the responsibility to plan the funeral, get flowers, all that stuff. Like it falls mostly on the women of the family. Um, And so I I, I just wonder, in Australia, is, is, is it common for women to have the responsibility of caretaking? I would say yes. I think it's quite similar here in Australia as it sounds like it is in the US. I know for myself, I was the one who was arranging the funeral, but I am the eldest of five girls. So, um, But we do have our dad and he did live with us and it was still something that he struggled to step up and take care of. So it really did fall on us. Um, In my work now, I work in an organization supporting young carers and they support loved ones for a range of different reasons. Um, But yeah, quite often when you are talking to them, um, it will be the mother or the women that do step up into those positions, which is interesting. I think, I don't know if it comes down to our nurturing instincts, but what I'm trying to do is make it something that is more comfortable and to acknowledge so that the whole family unit, males and females, can rise to the occasion together to best support each other and their loved one. Um, that is a big yeah, desire of mine to create that. Great. Yeah, I can um, imagine because just with like my experience of having to caretake, having like the support that you're providing, I can imagine that it would have been maybe not easier, but definitely like I would have felt like less alone or less like I wasn't allowed to experience the fact that this person was like about to pass away. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So now let's talk about Beyond the Clouds. You talked a little bit about it, but can you just go into depth about what it is um, and like what you're doing to help people maintain the legacy of the loved ones that have passed away? Yeah, awesome. I'm really excited to talk about this. So Beyond the Clouds is a passion project I've been working on for years. So yeah, the same year that my mum passed away, I started diving into communities to find out what was out there and where the gap was. Um, Because when we were experiencing the loss of our mum, there was just an incredible lack of support available. I was a 21-year-old having conversations with doctors and making calls about my mum's health that I 
did not feel qualified or had the life experience to make. Um, and my like my mum's biggest concern was, you know, the younger kids and how they're going through it. And I know if we had something, like if she knew there was something there for them, it would have made her experience as well just a little bit, there would have been a little bit of relief in that space, which a little bit of relief when you're going through that is a lot. Um, so I wanted to expose myself to the most experience other than my own to have an informed perspective on how to best support others, which is, yeah, I've done through all the volunteer work that I do. And this led to the creation of Beyond the Clouds. And at Current, it's a service that is dedicated to providing a voice to terminally ill uh, through the podcast and through doing life story recordings and blogs. And it really is about immortalizing their voice and sharing their story so that it's so they can pass knowing that they've shared that with their loved ones and they can you know leave messages for when it is their wedding day when it is their birthday um big those big life events and they've got that message from their loved one that will be so cherished and then for the loved ones they it minimizes their regret or the hindsight in once that person's gone you know, I didn't ask them, what's their favorite color? Where's their favorite place to go? What were they like before they became my mum? Like they had a whole nother life. And now that they're gone, like you might never have thought to ask those questions when you've got that relationship where they're your parent. But after they're gone, you have all these questions and having access to that is so invaluable. So that's what Beyond the Clouds is at current. So it is immortalizing that voice and sharing their stories both to offer them, you know, the the terminally or chronically ill person that experience and then that comfort for the loved ones after they're gone. And that's the starting point. Um, but there's a greater vision. Um, so end of life is also so commonly associated with elderly. And I want to change that because as in my experience, when I'm volunteering at these bereavement camps for grieving children or with young carers, there are so many people in their 20s, 30s, 40s that are passing away and leaving behind young families. So there's people like my my sisters were only 15. They're going to like their 18th birthday. They don't have their mom there. They're not like she's not going to be there for our wedding days all the time we have our children and having her voice and her message during that would have been like for us going forward would have been amazing, um, but we simply don't. So yeah, I want to create that for these people who are growing up through that. Um, and then in the future, I am creating a holistic service that will support the entire family. So there will be like either an app or a service-based platform um, with a number of different resources and functions that helps make that time easier to navigate. Um, I am currently working on a number of free resources where it will, you know, help have like conversation prompts so that you can start to ask those questions and have those conversations with a loved one um, and just things you need to think about when somebody is dying. There is so much admin that comes with that that you don't realize until afterwards and the last thing you want to do in the grieving process is I have to call this person, this person and lodge this to notify them that my loved ones died and I haven't even fully accepted that yet. Um, so yeah, so Beyond the Clouds is at the moment immortalizing the voices and sharing the stories and offering that comfort with a big vision for the future to have a holistic support. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like actually going to a family or to talk to someone um, and, you know, record their story or, you know, write the blog post? What is that experience like? 
Well, fortunately, so when I volunteered in palliative and hospice care, it was creating life journals for people who were passing away. So it's, I go in and develop a relationship with them so they can feel like they're just having a conversation with a friend and, and having an outsider come in and do that for somebody, you can ask them the questions that they might not want to answer for their sons or daughters or siblings. Um, and you get that raw and real like story. So, um, yeah, so I go in and I meet with them and usually I'm engaged by a loved one who wants to capture this, but sometimes the ill person will reach out as well because they've come across this and like, I really want to do that. And, um, it's a really special experience. So for them, it's like, they've had a conversation with a friend. I bring a unintimidating recording, um, microphone set and, I usually ahead of time have given them some questions to think about and I learn a bit about them and what they really want to highlight and what they really want to touch on. And then I also encourage them to think about the messages they want to leave for the future events. Um, like I spoke about before the birthdays and weddings and all of that. So yeah, for them, it's just an opportunity to have that open conversation with a third party person who it, they don't have to hold back from. And then I create something really beautiful for their family. Um, and the blog posts are often written by my podcast guests. So I come on and we have um, some conversation about their story, but then it also leads to questions that encourages an audience to reflect on their own life. Um, and then the podcast guest can then write a well, usually they're really keen to write a blog about more of their story or where they're at now um, and things like that. So yeah, it's a, I'm really privileged to be able to do this experience. Yeah, and and that it sounds like you're giving people a um, opportunity to do something that not a lot of people have the opportunity to do. Um, so I think that's really cool um, that you've really like pioneered this type of this type of thing. I think that's amazing, and the fact again that you've been able to do it kind of fresh out of your own um dealing with your own death um so yeah sending so much love your way this is like really amazing that you're doing this oh thank you um so how long has the podcast been a part of beyond the clouds so this is new um which is really exciting the first episode will be launching really soon i've had to like I've had to learn how to do all the process of this and there's a lot to learn when doing a podcast. It's not as simple as grabbing a microphone, um, as I'm sure you understand. And I've listened to a number of your podcast episodes and they are incredible. Um, so I love your work and I've been trying to listen to as many that I can take inspiration from on how to make mine the best it can also be. Uh, so it's relatively new. The first episode will be a, di a deep dive into my story and then um, I've got yeah, the, the guest, um, which is one of my really close friends who is um, experiencing her cancer diagnosis at just 34 years old. And yeah, it's really exciting. So it's relatively new, but there's a lot of interest around it already, which I'm really grateful for. Um, okay. So lastly, can you tell me and my audience how we can stay up to date with you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, I would love them, if your audience, to follow along the Beyond the Clouds journey if they feel called to. Um, and if there's anyone interested in being potentially like a podcast guest or they know a loved one who would be, um, they can reach out through a number of different avenues. So I have an Instagram page, which is at Beyond the Clouds Online. And um, they can also check out the website. So the website is 
beyondtheclouds.online.com. So there is an S at the end of cloud, so beyondtheclouds.online.com. And my podcast is also called Beyond the Clouds. So um, yeah, there's a number of pages on there that explain more about the life story recordings, about the podcast and the blogs and the future vision for Beyond the Clouds. Okay. And then just for people who may be interested, what is like your ideal guest for the podcast? Yeah. So it is anybody who is terminally or chronically ill. So they may be yeah living with that chronic illness, so still receiving cancer treatment, or they have been diagnosed and are no longer able to receive treatment. I think there's something incredibly powerful about being able to speak to someone when all they have left is limited time. So it allows them being a podcast guest to share their story. And then we talk about like when they're reflecting on their own life and now when they've only got limited time left, like what really matters in life? How has this changed your perspective? What do you wish you spent more or less time on? And what's really worth stressing about? Um, So there's a lot to learn from people there. And yeah, like I've been saying, it's a true privilege to be able to speak to them. So anybody who is interested, I would love to hear from them um, because they hopefully get a lot out of it. But I think people listening learn a lot because like, yeah, choosing consciously to make the most of this short and fragile lives that we do have um, is something I think we can learn from people who are looking at that square in the face. So, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Students of Mind. Today's topic is definitely a tender one, so I want to encourage you all to check the description where there will be resources and more information for those who may be dealing with loss or the grieving process. I want to say a massive thank you to Katie for being on this episode. I am truly impressed and inspired by the incredible work she does, and I really appreciate her vulnerability and openness about her experience. Talking to her was really amazing because you could just feel how passionate she is about this work. Um, So please, if you'd like to follow Katie and learn more about Beyond the Clouds, all of her links are in the description below. As always, links to the Students of Mind team's socials are listed in the description as well. If you have a moment, please leave a rating and review on the show. This helps me know if the topics and discussions on the show are resonating with you all, and it also gets the episodes and all of the information within them into more years. That's it for today, so thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something new or resonated with something you heard today, and I will see you next time.
We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.